Hello and welcome. Today's talk is about Iran. And now, in September 2022, we are seeing quite a significant wave of demonstrations that are taking place in Tehran and beginning to spread to other urban centers in the country. And we'll see how will that develop. But the important point here that this is not the first wave of demonstrations, expressions of anger in Iran in the last 10-15 years. There was a major revolt, even the beginnings of a revolution, I would say, in 2009. And during that time, large, large demonstrations took place in Tehran and almost all major cities of Iran, in which almost the entire society was represented. So we, of course, there were, there were people who were on the streets because they had economic demands, inflation, the lack of certain basic staples, but also there were people from the upper middle classes, from very quite rich parts of, of Tehran and other Iranian cities. There were men and women, people of different ages. In 2009, the demonstrations that took place in the country, I would say, represented large segments of the Iranian society. And the demands then were political demands. That's why the responses of the regime of the Islamic Republic in Iran in 2009 were very assertive. And the revolt or the beginnings of the revolution were stopped. In 2018, and in the immediate aftermath of a presidential election in Iran, another wave of demonstrations took place, much smaller than 2009, and I think of less representation, societal representation, yet still quite significant. And again, the Islamic Republic of Iran, the regime, assertively intervened and stopped the whole thing. Now, in September 2022, we are seeing a third expression of anger. When you have three such revolts, such expressions of anger, in the span of less than 15 years, I think this merits looking beneath the surface, trying to understand what's really behind all of that. But before we do that, why Iran, understanding Iran, is very important for anyone interested in the wider Middle East, in the Gulf, the Arabian Peninsula, Iraq, the Eastern Mediterranean, North Africa, Turkey even. Iran is very important for this entire region because geographically it's, it's large. Iran is effectively a link between Central Asia and the Levant and the Eastern Mediterranean. And that gives us strategic importance. Add to that that Iran is demographically sizable, especially when, it, when it's compared to its Arab neighborhoods, 
and, and demography matters. Demography is weight. The number of the people in Iran is, is large, and that gives it weight, gives it importance. But in addition to that, and in my view, much more importantly, is the cultural influence of Iran. Iran is a civilization and a wonderful, rich civilization with immense contributions in, in art, in poetry, in crafts, uh, literature, spirituality, thinking about the divine philosophy. Wonderful, a wonderful, rich civilization. And that meant that throughout many centuries, the influence, the cultural influence of Iran extended far beyond its borders, all the way to Turkey, to the Eastern Mediterranean, and even to India, actually, especially in the 8th and the 9th centuries. The point being, Iran is culturally very important, and that also gives it influence, which means that whatever happens in Iran, any significant change in Iran echoes, resonates way beyond the borders of Iran and therefore it is of importance for anyone interested in the entire Middle East uh, and, and beyond it. Now, to understand what's happening in Iran, I think we need to look at the experience of Iran under the Islamic Republic in the past 40 years. And I think there are three major successes or achievements that the Islamic Republic of Iran secured versus two major failures that were there and continue to be there in the experience of the Islamic Republic of Iran. Let's start with the successes or the achievements. The first one of them is simply that the Islamic Republic of Iran or in Iran continued, continued to survive. That by itself is an achievement because that Islamic Republic was born out of an internal conflict in Iran right after the fall of the Iranian monarchy, the regime of the Shah, Shah Muhammad Reza Pahlavi. When that regime fell due to major, major demonstrations in the country, it wasn't particularly clear what will be the regime that will, that will come to rule. Because in the revolution that, that befell, that ended the regime of the Shah, there were many constituents. There was a liberal movement, there was a socialist movement, largely from university students, as well as a movement or current of political Islam, particularly political Shiaism, under the banner of the leadership of Ayatollah al-Khomeini, the most important figure in the Iranian revolution against the Shah, a very important Shia scholar in the 20th century. Out of that turmoil, that version, that current of political Islam won, and the Islamic Republic of Iran came to exist, emerged from within that fluidity 
that was there after the fall of the Shah. But that meant that there wasn't a consensus, there wasn't even a, a major agreement within the Iranian society on the nature of the regime. It was simply that a majority indeed, but still one faction had a certain view and managed to, to come to power, particularly because of the immense charisma of Al-Khomeini. And then, immediately after the Islamic Republic of Iran or in Iran came to power, it started to face one challenge after the other until today. At the beginning there was, and continues to be, but at the beginning there was immense hostility between the Islamic Republic of Iran and the United States. Both saw each other in very negative, very negative, dark hues and colors. And then there was the eight years very painful war and costly war between Iran and Iraq when Iraq was under the regime of Saddam Hussein. And then Iran emerged from that war in a very bad economic shape. And then from the early 90s until more or less today, 2022, it has been under different forms of economic sanctions and, and the like. So basically 40 years of different challenges. And yet, the Islamic Republic of Iran survived, continued to survive. And I think that is an achievement. The second achievement or success is that the founding father, the main figure, the theoretician behind the Islamic Republic of Iran, Ayatollah al-Khomeini, died only 10 years, more or less 10 years after the birth of the Islamic Republic of Iran. And when he died, there was there were, there were many tensions and major disagreements within the leadership of the Islamic Republic, not just because of personal ambitions, but also, and there were many differences because of personal ambitions, but also because there were many different views about the future, about how this Islamic Republic is or was at the time to evolve. And yet, despite these differences, despite the disappearance of Al-Khomeini, the Islamic Republic of Iran or in Iran continued. And I think to survive the early disappearance, the relatively early disappearance of Al-Khomeini and to continue despite the internal tensions is a success. The third success I think is the most important and the most strategic which is the expansion of influence. Iran has always, always, way before the birth of the Islamic Republic in 1979-1980, way before that, during the reign of the Shah, Muhammad Reza Pahlavi, during the reign of his father, during the reign of the Qajars, the royal family that ruled Iran more or less in the 19th century during the time of the Safavides, a Safawiyin, roughly 200-300 years ago. 
even during that time, Iran has always, in the last 200, 300 years, has had that ambition of exerting influence over its wider neighborhood, particularly in the area extending from Iraq all the way to the Mediterranean shores. This is not just the ambition of the Islamic Republic, it has always existed for centuries in the Iranian mindset, for many reasons. And one of the reasons is actually religious, because Iran, at least in the last 300 years, the main socio-political frame of reference there is Shiaism, is, is a certain view of the sect of Shiaism within Islam. And because of that, there has always been this longing, some sort of intellectual longing, some sort of intellectual want for a connection with the Eastern Mediterranean and with Iraq, because both of them, Iraq and Najaf, and also certain spots on the Eastern Mediterranean, had for centuries basis, theological basis, or centers of learning of Shiaism there. And therefore, there was this idea of a connection between Iran and these centers of learning of Shiaism in Iraq and in the Eastern Mediterranean. In addition, of course, to political objectives, wants of exerting influence. The Islamic Republic of Iran in the last 15 years or so delivered that objective, achieved that objective, because in the past 15 years, the Islamic Republic of Iran managed to expand its influence to Iraq, to Syria, to Lebanon, and some would say to other countries such as Yemen, achieving that centuries-old objective is a major achievement, a major success for the Islamic Republic of Iran. However, as I said, there are two major failures within the structure of the Islamic Republic in Iran or of Iran. First failure is concerning the representation of the will of the people. The Islamic Republic was born out of a revolution, a real revolution. And it has always, from the very beginning, claimed with the justification that it is some sort of a democracy. It does conduct elections every four or five years that are quite acceptable. But at the core of the political structure of the Islamic Republic in Iran is the idea of Wilayat al-Faqih, the rule of the jurist. The rule of the jurist is an old Shia idea that al-Khomeini resuscitated and developed and put at the core, at the center of the political system of the Islamic Republic in Iran. The problem here is that this idea basically gives the jurist, the jurist of the age, the supreme guide of the Islamic Republic, effectively 
unrivaled, unchecked powers, way above the powers, the prerogatives of the president, of parliament, of anybody. And therefore, here we have a dilemma, and that is, in theory, you have a representation of the will of the people. There is, there are elections, but there is an ultimate political power at the apex of the political system that is unrivaled in its powers and unchecked in anything it does, supreme guide. And that's a dilemma. And so far, the political system of the Islamic Republic of Iran has failed to solve that dilemma. The second problem, acute problem, I think, is that the Islamic Republic in Iran or of Iran is essentially a religious state. Any religious state by default is conservative, puts restrictions on the society. That's very very normal and very understandable. The problem is that Iran, as I said, is, is the heir to an incredible civilization. The Iranian or Persian civilization has wonderful expressions that continue in the society. The Iranian society, because of its heritage, because of its civilization, wants to be free in its life, in its in its mannerisms, in its expressions, in art, in media, in life. This inherent liberalism, desire for freedom, flies in the face of the ultra-conservatism of a religious state. And I think this confrontation, this tension, has repeatedly expressed itself over the past 30 or 40 years and it remains one of the most fundamental, if not the most fundamental problems at the core of the social and political structures of the Islamic Republic in Iran or of Iran. And what we are seeing now in September 2022, I think stems from that dilemma, from that tension, pressure points of the natural confrontation between the conservatism of a religious state versus the desire for freedom, for, for living, for liberalism of a society that has the beauty and the glamour and the wonder of the Persian civilization. And I think if that dilemma is not solved, there will certainly be major changes in the political system, in the social system in Iran, and maybe not in the distant future.